Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Qi Zhi. Coming up in this edition, Israel says it will continue fighting in the Gaza Strip despite international calls for a ceasefire. European Union leaders have agreed to begin negotiations with Ukraine and Moldova for their accession. And Beijing is bracing for a temperature plunge after being hit by heavy snow for two days. We start from the Middle East. Israel's defense minister has told a senior White House official that the country will continue fighting in the Gaza Strip despite international calls for a ceasefire. Yoav Gallant has met U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who is in the region to call for restraint. U.S. President Joe Biden also said he wants Israel to focus on saving civilian lives. Philip Crowther with the Associated Press says more. White House's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan he has already met with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his War Cabinet, and he comes with those words that are still ringing in the ears of Israeli officials that Israel uh, is uh, culpable of indiscriminate bombings. Those are the words of U.S. President. Joe Biden, the Biden administration has pretty openly criticized the huge civilian death toll, but is still giving Israel clearly its staunch diplomatic and military support. Well, one answer to the question that the administration in Washington has as to how and when this military campaign might be wrapped up came from the Defense Minister Yoav Gallant, uh, saying this ahead of the meeting with Jake Sullivan in Tel Aviv. He、uh, says that it will take more than several months. To destroy Hamas, but shortly thereafter comes the reporting from the New York Times that U.S. officials are saying that they want、uh, this large-scale ground offensive by the Israeli military to finish by the end of the year. That was Associated Press correspondent Philip Crowther. All telecommunications are down in Gaza amid Israeli attacks. Gaza's media office says the blackout means it could be more difficult to reach the dead and injured. The number of deaths in the territory is approaching 19,000. Noor Harazin reports from Gaza. The whole system here has collapsed. In now, we it is a usual scene to see as to find people going through the trash or breaking into stores. People are thirsty. They are hungry. The basic needs are not available anymore here in Gaza. The shelves of the stores, the markets are almost empty. There is no access to clean water. There is no access to food, and this is affecting everyone here on the ground.、Uh, me, my family, everyone here on the ground. Adding the fact that the cutting of the、uh, communication and work, I mean, this is even making the things really bad here、uh, in Gaza. It is the sixth. Time in the past 10 weeks, where the、uh, communication and networks are all down, and this is very important. This is actually a struggle for Palestinians here. It is not only about connecting to the internet and、uh, calling your relatives and making sure they are okay. No,、uh, it is actually bigger than that. When the communication are off. People cannot even call the ambulances. They cannot、uh, call the hospitals. They cannot let the people know where they are. That's Noor Harazin in Gaza. In Europe, Ukraine has welcomed the European Union's decision to launch membership talks with Kiev. European Union leaders also agreed to begin negotiations with Moldova for its accession and granted candidate status to Georgia. 
Giles Gibson reports from Brussels. European leaders have been discussing two issues that are central to the future of Ukraine, both of which at the start of the day faced opposition from the Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban. However, the President of the European Council, Charles Michel, has put a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, saying that the European Council has decided to open accession negotiations with Ukraine and Moldova. Now, Ukraine actually already had what's known as candidate status. It's had that since June of 2022. But now actual negotiations towards the eventual day, the potential day of joining the EU will now kick off uh, now that the European Council has given the green light to that. However, a $54 billion aid uh, package that uh, has been proposed for Ukraine is still very much in the air towards the end of uh, day one of this summit. Uh, we've also seen Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, addressing via video conference this meeting of European leaders here, saying to those leaders, do not fall back into indecision. Of course, earlier in the week, we saw Vladimir Zelensky in Washington really trying to get uh, the latest aid package from the Americans. Uh, there are reports that he was advised not to come here to Brussels as European leaders try to thrash out an agreement over this latest package of aid for Ukraine. That was Giles Gibson in Brussels. Russian President Vladimir Putin says Moscow's goals in Ukraine remain unchanged. In his year-end address, Putin answered questions from the public and addressed issues such as the economy and the foreign policy. Dasha Chinacheva reports from Moscow. In front of a crowd of about 600 people, the Russian president for more than four hours answered 67 questions related to both domestic and international topics. Among the most pressing issues, Vladimir Putin vowed to continue with the conflict in Ukraine and end the fighting on Russian terms. There will be peace when we achieve our goals that you mentioned. Now let's get back to these goals. They don't change. Let me remind you what we talked about then. The denazification of Ukraine, demilitarization, its neutral status. Putin revealed that 617,000 military personnel are involved in the fighting, with troops strengthening their positions along the front line. He reassured Russians there was no need for another round of mobilization, with nearly half a million volunteers so far. He said the flow is not diminishing. On the economy, Putin said despite Western sanctions, Russia's GDP will grow by 3.5% in 2023 although inflation will approach 8%. Putin said Russia will focus on building ties with countries that seek an equal partnership. Putin. While Putin stands for compromise, he clearly indicates that we are not following the Western lead. We will create alternative centers of influence, and our task is to offer equal terms of cooperation to all our partners. The Russian president talked about the development of the country's regions, including the so-called new territories, previously administered by Ukraine. And he stressed the need to beef up the country's sovereignty by increasing its defensive capabilities, technological independence and industrial productivity. The press conference took place just days after Vladimir Putin announced he would seek re-election in March. Analysts say that his answers on Thursday will most likely serve as a template for his campaign for another term. That's Dasha Chinicheva on the Russian president's plans. Turning to Africa, Uganda is the latest country to pull its peacekeeping mission out of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. 
The move follows the expiration of the mandate of the East African Community Regional Force. The international force was intended to protect civilians from rebel groups in the DRC, but faced accusations of ineffectiveness. Isabel Nakiria spoke with the Ugandan Army spokesperson Felix Kuligi about the conclusion of the mission. The last batch of Ugandan soldiers crossed back into Uganda, marking the end of their peacekeeping mission. Military hardware was seen rolling through the Bunagana border after close to a year of operation in eastern DRC. President Felix Chisakedi declined to have the mandate of the force renewed, saying the regional force had not only failed to restore peace in the region, but had instigated violence. The mandate of the force was to intervene, not to fight. Actually, they were only, the rules of engagement allowed them to fight if attacked. Now, unfortunately, the DRC government expected us to fight M23. Now, you can't do what the mandate has not allowed you. But the departure of the force is raising concerns of escalations of violence and insecurity days ahead of the national elections. The drawdown is paving way for troops from the Southern Africa Deployment Corporation or SADAC, but this operation hasn't been finalized, and it's worrying military leaders in the region. We, however, do get concerned with the likely security implications, because as per what we are getting on the ground, the government forces and the rebels of M23 are gearing up for a fight. Um, this, however, can only be averted with the speedy deployment of the SADC forces. East African heads of state had called for a ceasefire before a political dialogue was held between the DRC forces and the various militia groups, but this didn't happen. The ceasefire was violated in several areas with reports of clashes going on. Several armed groups occupy the eastern parts of the country and have killed, looted property and caused displacement of millions of Congolese. That was Isabel Nakiria reporting. In Asia, prosecutors in Japan have opened a criminal investigation into the government's fundraising scandal. It deals another blow to Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's cabinet following the resignations of four ministers. In Tokyo, Torrance Tarashima spoke with political analyst Shigenobu Murata about the implications. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is struggling to contain the fallout from a political fundraising scandal. It involves lawmakers from largest and most influential faction in the ruling Liberal Democratic Party, which used to be led by former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. According to a survey conducted by Japanese public television NHK, the approval ratings for Kishida cabinet have fallen to record low of 23%, while those disapproved stood at 58%. Some analysts say this may be the crisis that Kishida may have difficulty recovering from. They say Kishida is now being cautious and won't be making any hasty decisions. And although he had the support of the Abe faction, as shown by the key ministers in his cabinet, without knowing how deep this scandal goes, it would be best to just contain the situation for now. Mr. Kishida is carefully watching what will become of the Abe faction and measuring his distance carefully. 
Also, we don't know how the investigation by the prosecutors will turn out. He is patiently watching the developments. Mr. Murata also says Kishida has selected the right ministers to replace those who have resigned over the alleged kickbacks. I think he made well-balanced choices. Until now, he had to make considerations for the key factions in his choices. Now that the A faction is out of the picture, I think he will be able to make sound choices. Kishida picked former Foreign Minister Yoshimasa Hayashi for the most important new Chief Cabinet Secretary post. That was Torrance Torishima on problems facing the Japanese government. Finally, in China, Beijing is bracing for a temperature plunge after being hit by heavy snow for two days. Wang Mengjie has more on how the Chinese capital is coping with the harsh weather. Most parts of the city will witness a strong winds accompanied. Beijing's fast snowfall this winter arrived early on Monday, but the snow since Wednesday is believed to be heavier. In response to the weather, Beijing Transportation Bureau encouraged people to choose public transport. Beijing subway had added about 170 more trains to safeguard smooth traffic during the heavy snow. And Beijing's railway station cancelled at least 150 trains on Thursday. And primary schools, the secondary schools and kindergartens started suspending classes on Wednesday. And the suspension has continued on Friday. The reception of in-person classes will be announced later. The city has renewed its orange alert for icy roads, a yellow alert for low temperature and blue alert for cold waves on Friday. And China has a four-tier weather warning system with red representing the most severe alert, followed by orange, yellow and blue. Authorities have called on local governments to take precautions against the cold weather and advise the public to keep warm. That was Wang Mengjie reporting. Recapping today's headlines, Israel says it will continue fighting in a Gaza Strip despite international calls for a ceasefire. European Union leaders have agreed to begin negotiations with the Ukraine and Moldova for their accession. And Beijing is bracing for a temperature plunge after being hit by heavy snow for two days. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, the podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Chi Thanks for joining us.